The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. How many of you are currently in a small group of some kind? Uh, raise your hand somewhere, somewhere. There you go. Take a look around. Uh, there are over 60 small groups that meet weekly. There's a sheet on both of the visitor centers you can pick up to see where that is. We'd love to direct you to be part of one of those groups. Mark chapter 13, if you have your Bibles or your apps, would you open them to Mark chapter 13? We continue our study in Mark's gospel together. It's a very familiar passage. I feel like we've looked at this numerous times, and we did when we studied the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke. So uh, here we are looking at, once again, words of Jesus to his disciples regarding uh, the time when they ask him about the temple being destroyed and future events thereafter. Beginning in verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And Jesus was sitting on Mount of Olives opposite the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? If you write in your Bibles, underline the word when or circle it. And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Circle, underline the word what. When and what. The disciples have just heard from Jesus' words that they could not believe that the temple, the center of Israel, the place of worship, the place where Israel looked to for all its significance in some ways would be obliterated. What will be the signs of this happening? When will it occur? Father, as we open the word now, teach us. Teach us about our Savior. Teach us about ourselves. In his name, amen. As the disciples were walking along and looked at this magnificent building, they were talking about its external beauty, and they were talking about how beautiful this building was, and we'll look at that in a second. And uh, Jesus reminds them, guys, I want you to know that trouble's coming. I want you to know that there is an hour, there's a day, there's a time when trouble will be coming, and I want you to be prepared. This is really a warning passage once again, but it's a warning passage filled with events yet future. Yet yet future when the temple would be destroyed, yet future, I think, when Christ would ultimately return. Ever since this question was asked by the disciples uh, to Jesus, it's recorded in three of the four Gospels, basically from that time on, the topic of prophecy has been expected, or the return of Christ has been expected and debated and ridiculed. When's Christ coming back? I mean, if you drop all the way down to verse 26, Jesus says, and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and in glory. And we've missed a lot of this passage, but the one thing everybody wants to camp on is, when is Jesus coming back? I began to research this topic way back when I was a college student. There was a book written in the uh, mid-1970s by Hal Lindsey. Uh, How many of you read this book right here? Lake, Great Planet Earth, first book I ever picked up on prophecy, read it, and started researching the topic. Uh, Lindsay didn't give a specific date when Christ was coming, but he intimated that one generation is 40 years. Israel was reformed in 1948, and he expected Christ to return in 1988. He didn't spell it out, but he intimated this would happen. Actually, 1988 came, 1988 went, the world was still here, Jesus did not come back. And so my research continued. In 1996, I was uh, teaching on uh, the doctrine and came to a section where we would do an eschatology, which means a study of end times, study of the ages. And uh, I was walking through HEB, and I found this on the checkout lane. 
And so as I was studying to prepare for that message, I thought I need to pick this up and read it because everybody knows whatever you find in that has to be true, right? So, so I still have that little magazine tabloid, whatever it is, and in this tabloid it says, uh, fearing national and world panic, the federal government, CIA, and FBI are working around the clock to suppress biblical prophecies that prove the world is coming to an end on or before May 13, 2000. Wow. Well, it came and it went, but Jesus didn't come and we're still here. And then we were doing a study of the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, the same week in 2009, when I was preaching through Matthew, I received in the mail uh, a number of pamphlets from a guy named Harold Camping, who I'd never heard of. And he sent to a lot of churches in America information that said, the world is coming to an end, Judgment Day is coming, May 21st, 2011. 2011 2011 came, 2000 went, Jesus didn't come, and we're still here. And then uh, we got interested. There was a movie that came out in 2012. How many of you saw that movie? You remember the study of that? Basically, what we found is the Mayan calendar ended in 2012, December 21, 2012. And so these folks said, of course, Jesus is coming back. It's the end of the world. It's all going to be done, and he'll be here December 21, 2012. Came and went. Jesus didn't come, and we're still here. Now, I do have some good news. I've got the date. Why do you laugh? How many of you have driven from here to Waco in the last few months? The date is there. Have you not seen it? It's there. There's a billboard between here and Waco. There it is. You know, when I saw that billboard, my first thought is somebody's got a lot of money to keep a billboard up until 2027. A lot of money they're wasting. My second thought is, when are they going to get it? I mean, it's really not about the calendar. It's about the king. It's really a not, it's not about when he's coming, it's that he's coming. And if you read this whole section carefully, everybody's looking around. Where If you look, if you go from here to Waco, look on the east side of the interstate, that billboard is there. Or just Google up, August, just Google up Return of Christ, it's going to pop up. Or you've got a website right there you can look at. If you guys start believing that, though, we're going to have problems, okay? I mean, there are people right now hoarding for end times. There are people right now who believe we're in the midst of end times. Are we? Maybe. Maybe. I preached a sermon uh, last year. We did a doctrinal series called Shipwreck. I entitled the section on uh, eschatology, Maybe. And, And the reality of it is there are people who have been duped into believing from the generation of Christ on that we're in end times. Are we? We could be. We could be. Could be. The scriptures are very clear, though. Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven and nor the Son, but the Father alone. And so when I hear people saying with, with definity, when they say, this is definitely this, this is the day, we are here, this is happening, all I do is say, hey, if, if, if Jesus doesn't know, you don't know. Jesus doesn't know, you don't know. And I'm going to go with Jesus. Okay? I'm not going to go with these guys throwing all this stuff out and running in fear and living in fear. If the end time comes, I'll submit to you, there's a whole different way to deal with it than hoarding and going places and doing things and buying guns and ammunition and foods and shelters and everything else that is being persecuted for the faith because that's what Mark chapter 13 is all about. He says when it comes, when this time comes, these things will happen. 
In fact, Jesus says it's not for you to know the times of the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. In fact, when I look at the study of end times, the thing that I see over and over and over again is we're not to be looking for a date, but we're to be prepared at all times. But one thing I can say with definite, definitely, that I can definitely say is we know this. Jesus came one time and he's coming back a second time. Amen? Amen. That's going to happen. The scheme of events that you have, the scheme of events I have, you could be wrong, I could be wrong. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you living ready right now? Because when you look at Mark chapter 13, that's really what it's all about. Well, the whole discussion begins with discussion of the future destruction of the temple. The the disciples look at the temple, and it was a magnificent building. Here's an artist's rendition of the temple in the time of Christ. I mean, it it was a phenomenal building. It was one of the wonders of the world. This massive structure was an unbelievable thing. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, by the way, boys, this is going to be destroyed. When he talks about every brick being taken down, he's speaking hyperbole, basically saying destruction is coming. There, there's a time when, when, when this building is going to be torn down now. In the mind of the disciples, let me remind you, there are no bombs, there are no planes to drop bombs on buildings like this. There, there are no tanks to shoot mortars into buildings like this. And so in their mind, when they look at this massive structure, the center of life in Israel, and Jesus says this thing is going to be torn down, it, it was unfathomable to them. How could that possibly happen? How could it happen? How could something like that possibly happen? This was the center of worship in Israel. It was the center of life in Israel. It's where every Jew wanted to be for Passover. It was a center. In fact, when you come into Jerusalem, even now, you can see where the temple used to be, where the Dome of the Rock is now, where the temple used to be, the Wailing Wall. And it's unbelievable to see even now. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, uh, Guys, you may like the beauty of the building, but it's dead on the inside, so it's going to go away. It's going to go away. That rocked their world. You remember where you were in 911, don't you? You remember exactly where you were. You watched that first plane fly into the, the, you saw the results of the first plane flying into the Twin Towers. And then if you're watching on TV, you saw the second plane go in the Twin Towers. And you, you saw one of the national landmarks of America go down in smoke. And that was a monumental day for us. When Jesus said this is going to be destroyed, it would be more frightening to the disciples than even what we saw on 911. They look around and say, this cannot happen. This is our life. This is the center of our existence. The temple was magnificent. The temple rested atop Mount Zion. Uh, From a distance, it looked like a glistening diamond in a setting of gold. It was considered one of the wonders of the Roman world, been under construction for reconstruction for 46 years. It would continue on in reconstruction and remodeling until 80 years total of remodeling took place. You think contractors are slow today? 80 years of remodeling. Some of you said we had remodeling projects that long in our house, or it seems like that long. And so there's this massive remodeling by Herod so that the Jews could be pleased and so he could be at the center of worship. But Jesus astounds his disciples by saying, guys, this beautiful thing you're looking at, this thing you're talking about is only temporary. It's only temporary. In fact, if we were to fast forward to today, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have replaced that. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God lives in you, and you are that temple now. You are the one that possesses the Shekinah glory of God, so to speak. 
Yet you are the one who carries the Spirit of God with you where you go. And so you have become the temple of God. Well, what happened historically is quite interesting. In A.D. 70, the Romans invaded Jerusalem, and all war broke loose, all hell broke loose, literally, in Jerusalem. And in 70 A.D., there's another artist's rendition of things going on in the temple. The temple was actually destroyed. In 70 A.D., one million Jewish people in Israel lost their lives. One million. There was death. There was destruction. There, there, there was chaos. If you read about that time in Israel's history, it was a time of just total tribulation. Some would say that all of Matthew chapter 13 or Mark chapter 13 was fulfilled at that time. Some would say Christ is only speaking about that particular time when Titus, the general of Rome, invaded and the Roman standard was lifted in the temple. And that was the time of the abomination of desolation. Everything took place. And this is all historical. I don't see it that way. When I look at this, and I've looked at it carefully, and many scholars have, and I would say, just to remind you, at TBC, our statement on eschatology is broad enough so it's not a dividing point for us. What we say is you just need to understand and work on the scriptures yourself, but maybe your scheme's right, my scheme's right, but there are multiple schemes that are possible. What we do know is Jesus is coming back. We know that. So, tell us when, Jesus, tell us what. Notice the first thing that Jesus does in verse 5. So tell us when and tell us what. So what does he tell them? Don't be misled. It's a warning passage. We want to go straight to the calendar. We want to go straight to events. We want to go and look at times. Jesus says, don't be misled. Then if you go down to verse 7, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. Don't be frightened. This is a passage that stands out to believers to say, in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of struggling, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, because of your faith, don't quit, don't give up. Don't quit, don't give up. He said, difficult times are coming. In fact, uh, struggles are coming. See to it that you're not misled. By the way, I think there are people misleading people in our times, causing them to do things that they shouldn't be doing rather than following the Savior. They drift away from the Savior. They're called false messiahs. We had one right up the road from us, David Koresh, took place just outside of Waco. And so he says there's going to be a time when these things happen. Feeling panicky, the temple's central to their existence. They want to know when and what. Jesus says, don't be misled, don't be frightened. And then he goes on, describes this period of time. He said, nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He's saying, be cautious, don't be misled, don't be frightened. Then the next little section, he reminds them that trouble is coming, and when trouble is coming, they need to be ready. They need to be ready. Look at verse 9. Be on guard. They're going to deliver you to courts and be flogged in synagogues and stand before governors and kings. And as a testimony to them, gospel must be first preached to all the nations. And you're going to be arrested and delivered up. Verse 12, brother will go against brother. They'll fight to the death, father against his children. He says there's a time coming of tremendous tribulation. Now, there was tremendous tribulation in 70 A.D. A million people died. Temple destroyed. When I pick this up, though, what I see is a time of greater tribulation that took place in 70 A.D. 
When you look at the corollary events, I think, beginning in the next verse, the abomination of desolation is a time at the midpoint, I believe, in the tribulation. And at that midpoint of the tribulation, what you see is the one who is called Antichrist. He, he breaks, a, breaks the covenant, which he's made at the beginning of the tribulation with the Jewish people, and demands that they worship him. He's resisted, and literally, that's when time of great tribulation takes place on the earth. He says, it's a struggle, it's a battle. All this is going to break loose. Time of great tribulation. But he says, be hopeful in the midst of it. Be hopeful. Don't give up. Don't quit. When times get difficult, don't stop. In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Israel was scattered as a nation. We call it the diaspora, the dispersion. It ceased to exist as a nation. The temple was no longer there. Many scoffed at biblical prophecy at that time. Then the unthinkable happened. The unthinkable happened. Israel regathered as a nation in 1948. Jewish people from throughout the world began to come home. The world took notice. Prophecy became more studied by people everywhere. Beginning in 1948, Israel reconvened one of the only nations in the history of the existence of the world to reform as a nation. But the Middle East was just a blip on the screen of radar. I mean, it was a land of desert, a land of dust, a land of strange people with strange ways living in a strange place. Unless you're a student of geography or history, countries like Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Lebanon were not anything you studied or spent much time studying. But then the world economy changed. And the world economy began to focus on a resource in the Middle East. And because oil became the prevalent aspect of the economy of the world, the Middle East became the focal point of the world. And so from that time on, really from the 60s forward, what we find is that every time there's a hiccup in the Middle East, the question is, is Jesus coming back? I've been interviewed three times by television stations in our area. All three times, it's been when we first went into Kuwait and Iraq, and it was Pastor DeSalvo, is this the is this end times? Is this the end of the world? Looks like it. Could be. Maybe. So you're not saying it is. No, I'm not. Jesus doesn't know. I don't know. But I know this. I'm called to live my life as though it could be any day. I'm called to live my life so that if persecution and suffering and pain come my way, I have hope. And that's what we see in the scriptures. In fact, if you drop down in Mark in chapter 13, go all the way to verse 24. In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken and they will come on that day. And on that day, what's going to happen is Jesus is coming back. Trouble's coming, but so am I. So be alert. Jesus says, trouble's coming, but so am I. So be alert. In fact, if you look at this passage, it goes down to verse 30. It says, I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all these things pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. Verse 33, take heed, be on guard, keep on the alert. And then you drop down to verse 35, therefore be on the alert. Verse 37, and what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. 
You don't have to be a scholar of any kind to see the word alert repeated four times there. And when that word is repeated, you need to be alert. You need to be alert. What's it mean to be alert? Somebody's saying, I wish I could be alert right now. (laughs) To be alert is to pay attention to, to take heed to. He's saying, one day I'm coming back. Be ready. One day I'm coming back. Stay ready. My favorite verse on end times, if you've been here any period of time, is 1 John 2.28. says, little children continue in him, literally abide in him. Same word used in John chapter 15, same author. Remain in him, walk with him, honor him, so that when he appears you may be confident and not ashamed when he comes. See, if Christ came right now and you came face to face with him, you live your life so you would not be ashamed to see him face to face. That's what it says. When I was a little kid growing up in a little Baptist church in New Orleans, we used to sing a song, face to face, we shall behold him. Face to face beyond the story sky. When you come face to face with Jesus, your Savior, will you be ready? That's the question. We can pull out the calendar and look at all this. There's so much study. We could spend literally a whole series on this one chapter. I'm giving you a big overview. I am telling you there's room for different schemes and different systems. I, I believe there is a rapture of the church. I believe it will take place sometime in the, either at the start or midpoint of the tribulation. I, I believe there's a literal millennial that's coming after Christ returns. That's my personal belief. But I know what the scriptures say here. Stay ready. Be ready. Every single day. Because one day, he's coming back. One day, he's returning. And that should give us hope in the midst of a world that's filled with injustice. Don't lose hope. Because the rescuer will return. Some of you watch the news at night and you wring your hands. Some of you read the papers and your mind swirls. Some of you listen to biblical teachers, and you live in fear. When you read this chapter, it's exactly the opposite. What Jesus says is, don't lose hope, don't be fearful, don't be misled. He says it. Look at those verses. Instead, fix your hope, be alert, be ready, because one day I'm coming back. And when he comes back, as Tony Evans said, he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. So you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Pine Cove is a camp that Bev and I are privileged to go to every summer. And uh, as we go to that camp in the summertime, uh, it's fun. It's filled with families and uh, just a great place to go. We take our kids and our grandkids with us. About four years ago, uh, there was a colonel whose family went to family camp most summers, and he was deployed at the time in Afghanistan. Pine Cove surprised his family. They didn't know this. They thought he was still in Afghanistan. They arranged, uh, he arranged to be there. They arranged for him to uh, surprise his family on that day. You know, when I saw this video, I thought, one day I'm going to use this. Because one day Christ is coming back. It'll be a time of great joy, time of great reunion. Watch, watch this. 
and then we'll talk about Jesus. Bye. How are you? Good, doing well. This is uh, this is quite the treat getting to see everybody. You're back in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. And uh, fortunately, out of the heat of uh, Kuwait, it was like 115 degrees. Uh, it's about 5, uh, 5.30 or so in the morning, so it's uh, kind of just past my bedtime. For those of you who don't know, I stayed on a kind of a U.S. schedule, so I actually went to bed about the same time most people in the States did. So, How are you guys doing? You guys having a fun week? Well, I miss uh, being there, but certainly I uh, can't say thanks enough for everybody supporting Amy and the kids while I'm in LA. So. Colonel Childs, we yeah. need you. Hey, Colonel hey, Amy, hold on real quick. hero's reception, right? Imagine that's Jesus. He comes back. You ready? Father, we're grateful. Grateful that you give us these words to fill us not with fear, but hope. You give us these words to stay ready and to be ready. Lord Jesus, we don't know if your return is going to be today, tomorrow, next year, next decade, next century, next millennium. But we know that today we can be ready. We can live ready. If you're not here and you're not sure if Christ is your Savior, getting ready is by trusting him first and foremost for the forgiveness of your sins. Would you do that this morning? Then if you know him, it says little children abide in him. That means to remain in him, to walk with him, to live your life so that you would not be ashamed if he came today. Father, we desire to live our lives that way to live our lives confidently in you. So if you come back today, we wouldn't shrink away in shame, but we'd be confident in your presence as we saw your face. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.